Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So about a week and a half ago, it was a Wednesday night, I was um, basically awakened in the middle of the night. And when I say in the middle of the night, it was about 3 a.m., and I'll never forget this, I sort of opened my eyes, for some reason startled, woke up, and I noticed just something was off, something was different. It was, it was weird, it was weird. And uh, I started blinking, and, and I was trying to, to, to focus, and man, for a half a second there, I thought I was going blind because I couldn't see any light, and it, and it was like, wow. And, and, and so I got up and realized that everything in my house was dark, everything. You go, what do you mean everything was dark? Of course, it's three in the morning. The light should be off. No, no, no. See, there's always the illumination of, of different lights in your house. You guys know this, whether it's the microwave clock or or the neighbor's light coming in that they won't shut off. You know, it's like, could you turn your light down? It's coming. All of that. But it was dark. It was so weird. Everything. Well, I come to find out that, that basically the power was off. We had no power, right? And when there's no power, your first instinct is to what? Hit the light switch, right? You're like, I don't know why. It's like, I can't see. Light switch. No, that's not working. And I was like, there's no power. There's no power. There's no power. Now, here's what I thought. There was no, there was no illumination coming from the microwave. There was no illumination coming. The whole, I'm thinking, uh, did I pay the bill? Did I pay the bill? I paid the bill, right? And I thought, this is a cruel joke. How could LPNL turn me off at three in the morning? Are you kidding me? I'm just like freaking out, right? And so, and so I said, no, no, I, I, I paid, I paid it. I know I paid it. Wake up, I paid it, right? Not to make things even more dramatic. Took my little flashlight like Barney Five, and I went outside. You know, now those little lights on your phone are intended for just a. Li- they're not made for for illuminating dark things. And there I go. I want to see what was going on, so I go outside, and here's what I found, guys. I found that the whole neighborhood was out of power. No street lights, no neighbors. Dark. You know that eerie feeling. I was like, oh, and, th- and there I am. You, you don't know who's coming around the boot. You don't know. There's not enough light. And, oh, here I am. And then, and then there's no cars at 3 o'clock in the morning. And so you're like, hello? Hello? <laughs> and it was just, it, it was like, man. And I got the strangest feeling. And if you're semi somewhat spiritual, you start thinking, wow, I wonder if this is what it's going to be like after the rapture or all of these things. I walk back in the house and what's your first inclination? To turn on the TV and see if there's something happened, right? It may be the news and you're like, and so you go over and, and so you start looking, so you want to protect yourself. So where do you go? You go into the closet to get your whatever it might be. I'm not saying anything. And you try to hit the switch, but there's no switch. You, you just, that's how your brain works. You understand that. You have been conditioned all your life to turn on switches and the light comes on. Well, there was no light. There was no light. And Natalie was up with me. And I said, sweetie, 
Do we have any matches? I want to light some candles because I don't know if there's prowlers or burglars or people walking in the middle of the night. There's always people walking in the middle of the night. I don't know if you know this, but there always is. There's always somebody up at 3 in the morning. And so I said, let's put on some candles, and this way uh, somebody sees some, some, some illumination in, in the house. And she said, yeah, I think there's some. There's some in the drawer. And just then, I heard the refrigerator go on. I was like, wow, wow. I look up. I go, where, where's, where's the first place you go? You go to the light switch, don't you? I hit the light switch, and guess what? Sure enough, the darkness was gone. The darkness was gone. Took another look outside. Sure enough, neighbor's lights were on, street lights were on, all the stuff that goes on, everything that happens. And then everything in a moment was back to normal, or at least what we call a 3 a.m. normal. But I'll never forget the eerie feeling of not having any light. And the joy that came when finally the electricity was on and then there was light. Now, I share this story because last week, if you recall, we were commanded by Paul to be imitators of God. We were commanded by Paul. And you remember the word imitators is the Greek word minets is where we get our English word mimic. So Paul is telling us to mimic the Lord. And other translations would say he wants you to be a follower of the Lord. He wants you to be a disciple of the Lord. You guys know, you know what it costs you to be a disciple? Guess what? It costs you everything. He wants you to be a disciple. He wants you to be an imitator. And we learned that. And so if you're taking notes, you need to jot this down. If you didn't last week, Paul's commanding. He's not suggesting. He's not saying, hey, I hope maybe. Think, could you? Do you think? Oh, please. Paul's going, no, this is what I'm asking you to do. Now, why would Paul give us an imperative, church? Why would Paul give us an imperative and a command if he didn't already realize that we understood the first three chapters of what God has done for us? That he seated us in heavenly places, that, that man, we are adopted into his family, that we're chosen, that we're walking in light. I mean, it's just amazing. And he goes, hey, by the way, you should, you should be a follower. You should mimic. You should imitate. So Paul is what? He's commanding, not suggesting, that believers, you and I, listen to me, church, should imitate God in a lot of ways. But the one way he's focusing in, you ready? Is how we treat others. How we treat others, how we treat one another, and how we treat those that are outside in the world. That's how we should mimic the Lord. How are we treating people? How are we treating people? Yet we need to do some work. Because when it comes to imperative that Paul gives us today... If we're going to imitate God, we need to know who God or what God is like so that we can fully be devoted to him. So we need to know. We have to do some work. Now, remember, this is key. We are to imitate God, not impersonate God. Big difference. Big difference. We are to imitate. We are to follow. We are to mimic. We are not just to have a what I call a behavior modification. Do you know what a behavior modification is? You modify your behavior to impersonate who God is, who Jesus is, 
That's not what Paul is saying. That's not what Paul is saying. You see, there's a lot of Christians out there that are impersonating Jesus, but at the end of the day, they don't have a real, dynamic, wonderful, um, truly purified walk with him. Walk with him. They've been brought up in church. They've been brought up in religion. And they go, yeah, well, this is what a Christian's supposed to look like. I guess I'll look like that. And, 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 and that's been passed along, church, from generation to generation. Well, this is what a Christian looks like. You need to cut your hair. Well, why do I have to cut my hair? What does that have to do with it? Well, you just need to. You need to Christians can't have this. Christians can't have that. All of the stuff that they do, and they, and they pour all of this on you. You can't have earrings. You can't have tattoos. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't look like the world. Da, 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 da. And, 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 and Christianity is the inside, not the outside. And we let God work on the inside and he'll fix the outside. But we don't judge people by how they look. And that's why at Calvary, we need to love people back to life. We don't sit there and go, well, you can't sit by me because, uh, you know, you look, like a, you look like a biker or you look like a this guy or you look like a that guy. Or We don't do that. We go, man, has God touched your heart? It was even David. David told us that God looks in the inside. He doesn't look at the outside. And so again... I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about we're, we're to imitate, not just simply outside going, well, yeah, praise God. Praise God. You see, it's really easy, church, to modify your behavior to where you look and speak like a Christian. It's called Christianese. And somebody says something and you go, praise God. Are you really praising God? Amen, brother. Is he really your brother? You see, let me just remind you what Paul is wanting to get into our spirit, that we're supposed to imitate God the way we treat one another, the way we treat each other. Think about this. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, all people will know you're my disciple by how much Bible knowledge you have. No, he didn't say that, did he? People know you're my disciple. If you walk on water, no, he didn't say that. He said, by how you love one another. How you love one another. Church, we should be the most loving. Now, again, we're not condoning sin. We go, oh, well, yeah, no, we, I love you. Go ahead and sin. That's, that leads to destruction. But we should be so loving, so loving. Man, it just oozes out. Stop loving me like that. What's the matter? I went to that church and they just loved me. Well, that's the point. Yeah, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I got an anonymous letter here recently, and my assumption is the person hasn't been back here because I haven't seen him. Well, how'd you know it was anonymous? Well, because one of the things is, is was he was um, dissatisfied, I don't know if that's the right word, with the church, is our greeting time. Well, I wish you wouldn't have greeting time. I'm an, I'm an introvert, please don't, and, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to sign my name, blah, 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 but I'm going, but part of greeting time, guys, I know it's sometimes uncomfortable, and you sit there and you go, man, all these people are coming to me and talking to me and shaking my hand, I'm, what about COVID and all this... We just want to love you. 
We want to love you because here's the thing. That's what you're craving and needing the most, a simple hug. How you doing? How are you? I'm so glad to see you. That's what we're longing for in our lives. We want a, we want a place where we belong. We don't want to just put it on the, on the side of the window. You belong, but we want you to feel like you belong. We want you to feel like you're part of the family. We want you to be so blown away as a visitor that you're going, wow. I told you about the one lady who came on a Wednesday night, and they, we loved on her so much she thought we were all on drugs <laughs> at a church. Do you realize that she's still part of our church today? She, does, she doesn't live in the state, but she's still part. She, she goes, these guys are weird. They're weirdos. They're on drugs. They're on, they're on, she didn't say drugs. I'm, she said they're on something. We were on something, weren't we? Man, we're on, we're on Ephesians 1 through 3. We're, on, we're high on the Lord, man. We're just like, yes, yes. So in order to imitate, we got to know who, we got to know. We got to know what, how to imitate. So over in John chapter 1, guys, look with me. John chapter 1, it starts in verse 1. Notice with me. John is writing, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Why is that important? I'll tell you why. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to deviate from my teaching for just a bit, but I really believe that you've got to know this. You'll have some people knock at your door on a Saturday morning, and they'll open their Bible, and they'll take you to John 1.1, and right in verse 1.1, it says, they'll put a little A on the very end of it, and they'll say it like this. In the beginning was the Word. Yeah, we agree with you, brother. And the Word was with God. Amen. And they'll say, and the word was a God. One little A changes all the meaning. What does the word say? What does God's word say? Jesus was God. He was fully God and fully man. Okay. It says, he, speaking of Jesus, was in the beginning with God. Okay. Let that sink in for just a moment. In the beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were all talking even before anything was created. He was there. He was there. Son? Yeah? How about we, how about we together create the world? And we'll populate it with humans, and we'll make humans in our image. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. But since God knows all things, he says, but you know what? They're going to fall, and they're going to sin, and um, you're going to have to go die for them. Ah, well, it was good up until that point. (laughs) God, Father, what do you want to go? Let's go do something else. He says, no, no, I'll, I'll go. I understand. I understand. All things, verse 3, were made through him, and without him... Nothing was made that was made. Notice four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You got to grasp number four. In him was life. If you want life, if you want life more abundantly, you only find life in Christ. You can look for it other places. You can search for it in drugs. You can search for it in gambling. You can search for it in career. You can search for all of In him is life. And if you find that life, it's only in Christ. 
Later on in 1 John, he says, he who has life, he who has God has life. He has life. You go, wait a minute, Ben, I don't know about this because I'm, I'm living. No, 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 no. Without Jesus, can I be honest? You're just existing. But with Christ, you're living. Because he gives you peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives you hope when you have no hope. He gives you compassion when you're needing it. He gives you grace and mercy when you stumble and fall. And he comes and he picks you up. And he sets you on the right path. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. So in him was life, notice, and the life was the light of men. Look at verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Over in verse 14, real quick, it said, And the word, here it is, became flesh and tabernacled, dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, very quickly, very quickly, I want you to look at verse 5 again. Because the word of God says, And the light, speaking of Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You understand that, right? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. He's never put it out. So, Jesus is the light. He has life. He is the light. And he tells us something so amazing. And Paul's going to, Paul's going to continue with that thought process. But then he, he says, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Isaiah caught the same concept, the same concept of light and darkness. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 through 3. You can jot this down, but, but I'm going to read it. And it says this, Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. It says, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Your attention, please. The title of my message this morning is Turn Off the Dark. Turn off the dark. You see, it's in reference to the passage this morning. You and I are called to turn off the dark. How do we turn off the dark? Really, really simple. By imitating the Lord and allowing the light of Jesus to shine in us and through us. You got to understand that. You got to understand that. Turn off the dark. Now, again, by way of reminder, if you weren't here last week, our command from Paul was to follow God and walk in love. Follow God and walk in love. Your attention, please, you take a moment to step back, look at your spiritual life, and ask yourself, am I walking in love? Am I walking in love? You see, sometimes we feel like love is agreeing with everyone and everybody. Well, love shows if I agree with you, no matter what your lifestyle is, I agree with you because I love you. That's not love. Love is not agreeing with everyone. Love is saying, here's what God's word says, but I'm going to walk in love because I want to see you grow into the fullest potential you have. Love is obedience. Love is obedience. 
We're to mimic God, imitate God, and walk in love. We learned, you ready, church? There are 41 imperatives. You go, Ben, what's an imperative? An imperative is a command. 41 imperatives that help us to walk worthy of our Savior. To walk worthy. But here's what we learned. You ready? And I think it's important you jot this down. Rules, commands, imperatives without a relationship always equals rebellion. Always equal rebellion. You understand that? You know how, how easy that is. As a matter of fact, I heard a story this weekend about that. Rules without a relationship. And the story goes like this. A dad had several little ones about any ranging from 6 to 10 years old. And he had them and he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I want you to invite your whole class over. I want you to invite all your friends. Bring them on over. We're going to have a jumpy house. We're going to have all this fun stuff to do for them. Okay, bring, invite them all over. So he had, he had 20 or 30 kids, and he got them all together, and he goes, hey, listen, listen, here's the deal. All of this is yours. Go have fun. Jump, play. Um, you know, there's, there's drinks over there. Just, just have a blast. But here's the one thing I don't want you to do. You ready? And he's talking to the boy. He says, he, he's talking to the, all the children. He says, don't spit on the flower bed. You can do anything you want. Don't spit on the flower bed. And, and his little kids, his kids knew what dad was up to. His, his kids knew what dad was up to. His kids were like, okay, so this is the story. Yeah, don't tell them. Have fun. See the jumpy house over there? Go play. See over there? Get all of this stuff, right? But don't spit on the flower bed. Go on. Have fun. So he goes inside. He looks in the window. He said, not more than 30 seconds. See, three little boys. He said, wow. A couple minutes later, here come some other ones. They're all spitting in the flower bed. And then what made it worse is his kids who even knew came and were spitting on the flower bed. Why? I found that interesting. I said, that's exactly it. Number one, rules. Rules without a good relationship always recruit. You told me not to spit. I'm going to spit. Why would you? You told me not to. You told me not to. So it's always rebellion. But number two, his kids knew what was going on. Guess what? How did they get caught up in this? Because it's always going to be, it's easier, listen to me, it's easier for somebody to pull you down than for you to pull somebody up. You got to remember that. You got to remember, well, no, no, I'm bigger than them. I'm bigger, okay, okay, no, I'm tough, I'm strong, I lift 100. And and, and the gravity and the weight of it, you go, okay, I'm going to pull you up to where I'm at. Next thing you know, you're spitting in the garden, in the flower bed. Amen? You know what we're talking about? The flip side of that. The flip side of that is a relationship without rules is chaos. It's chaos. You want to know what that is? Have a little kid. Have a little kid at two years old and don't give them any rules. Your house is trashed in five minutes, is it not? Do whatever you want to do. They're just 
right? <laughs> That's it. And, and, and sometimes as believers, church, we go, well, I have this wonderful relationship with God. I understand chapters one through three. I get it. But I have to do anything, so it's, it's always chaos. I can do whatever I want, when I want. And no, the Lord says, no, 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 there, there are imperatives. There's some rules. So in light, no pun intended, of where we're going to learn today, let me remind you that last week we talked about the first two verses that we're to follow and walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, Walk in love, notice, as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, as an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. Here's the command. Church, we are to live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. Can we just put it together? How do you smell? Wait, what do you mean? Do you smell? Do you smell good? Do you smell like Christ? How would I know? Are you imitating God? That when somebody comes to go, man, you smell good. And it's not the cologne you're wearing, but it's that fragrance from the inside. Here's why. You realize, you realize that people are people. They're not perfect. They're a mess. They're strange. But you know they're believers, and so you go, okay. That's what Jesus, I mean, think about this, guys. Think about this. We want to live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Following the example of Christ. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this. If you want to know what Jesus, if you want to know what God is like, God the Father, if you want to know everything, it says study Jesus. Study Jesus. Find out his, uh, man, I, I just want to know all about Jesus because that's the Father. That's the Father. And if I'm going to imitate God, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to know what he's like. But I know one thing. I know that Jesus loved us unconditionally. Can I get an amen? Do you realize that, that there was no strings attached? He didn't sit there and go, well, listen, listen, listen. Um, Abel. Abel, since you're in the front row, Abe, listen, um, I'd love to have you on my team, but, uh, man, you got to get cleaned up first, bro. You know, you, you got to stop doing X, Y, Z. You got to stop doing all this stuff, man. And then maybe send in your resume and we'll see if you can be on the team. That's not God, is it? God looked at him and said, oy vey. Oy vey, he went like this. Oh. And the angels are like, you're going to let Abel in? Yeah. Yeah, why? Because although when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, just the way we are. There, and so again, think about that. Think about that. So what does Paul say? Well, he exhorts us that what? But fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, foolish, foolish talking, coarse jest. He says, that you guys shouldn't even be doing that. You shouldn't even be doing that. It shouldn't be named among you. Then he gives us the reason why. Ephesians 5, 5 says this, For you know, for this you know, what? No fornicator. We know what a fornicator is, right? Sex outside of marriage. Pornea. 
sexual immorality, none, unclean person, no covetous man who's an idolater has any inheritance with, with who? In the kingdom of Christ and God. So what's he saying? You ready? Jot this down. He's saying, turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. And then reminding us in 6 and 7, he says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Oh, that's just how I was, you know. Well, this is how I am. I, I do these things because, you know, when I was little, my mom pin, pinned my diaper too tight, you know, and so therefore this is how I am, and here's my excuse for doing this, this, and this. You know, when I was little, you know, um, my mom put my hair in chongos, and it really messed up my brain, and so this is where I'm like, if you don't know what a chungo is, it's a ponytail. But sometimes mom would just smash it back like this, you know. And, and then he says this, verse 7. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Anytime we see a therefore, guys, look at verse 7. We get some application. You, you, you got to understand. So listen, church. You ready? Here's the imperative. It's time in our lives this morning to turn off the dark. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine in us and through us. And he's going to give us the reason found in verse 8. Go with me to Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. Now, look at your Bibles. Guys, this is deep. This is deep because... The way our brains work is we tend, to, we tend to put words there that aren't there to make it easier to read. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, for you were once in darkness, which is true. It, it, there's no in. What does Paul say? For you were once darkness. darkness. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were. Before you came to know Jesus, you were dark. You were darkness. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what that means. It symbolizes the realm dominated by sin and death. And darkness can also refer to a lack of understanding. So Paul says, listen to me. You, remember? You were once, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. Now, why would Paul be telling us this? Listen to me, because there's still people listening to this here today. There's still people uh, on, online that might catch this. There might be people in the podcast or on the radio. You're still darkness. You haven't came to the Lord. But I know you, Paul says. He says, but you and you and you. He says, you are light. You are light. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You know what that word walk means? Behave. Behave. Well, Paul, I don't think you should tell me what to do. No, no, no. We have a relationship with God, so that's not gonna, we're not going to rebel. We're going to go, amen. Amen. He's exhorting us. The imperative is to walk to walk, to behave as children of the light. You ever gone out to a restaurant and you want to have a nice meal and, and uh, somebody brings their children and their children are misbehaving and they're at the next table to you and you just, 
And they're screaming, and they're throwing stuff, and they're just, just children. They're just children, but they're just... And, and you look at the parents, he's like, I wish those parents would get a handle it. Just me? Just me, or you guys too? Yeah, you guys know. And it's not, not that you're mean, you're just going, oh. But whenever you go to a restaurant and you see someone, these well-behaved children, you're like, wow, that was, that was good. Now, I'm not talking about you go out and you hand your kid the iPad. And then you put on the things, and then they don't, they don't have no conversation with you. I'm talking well-behaved children at a restaurant where they're, having, they're engaging in conversation and all of this stuff. You go back and you go, wow. And I always compliment you. Man, your children are well-behaved. Why? Because it has something to do with the parents. It has something to do with the parents. And again, here's what he's saying. Walk as children. We're children. Why would Paul say that? In your mind, turn on your thinking caps. Ephesus, right here, was a very dark city. Very dark. Why? Well, think about it. And it had the temple of Diana. It was, it, 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 I mean, it, there was sexual immorality all over. Could you imagine leaving church on a Wednesday night and the temple prostitutes would meet you outside and try to get you to have sex with them for money and call it worship to Diana. The temple of Diana, Artemis, is, is one of the seven wonders of the world. God, this is Ephesus. It was very, very dark. And with temple prostitutes and with sexual immorality and with idolatry, you know comes darkness. Darkness breeds crime. All of this stuff. So emphasis was a very, very dark place. Now, think about the illustration I gave you first and foremost. Everything was dark, it felt eerie. And so Paul says, hey, by the way, as believers in Ephesus, turn on the light. Turn off the dark. Illuminate who Christ is in your life. Illuminate. Illuminate. You're like, oh, okay. Okay. Now here's the exhortation to us. Very much like our world today. You know this. You know this. It's a dark world, and it's getting darker. You see, when we moved here 20 years ago, the, the neighborhood we lived in was probably almost Mayberry. I mean, it was a nice neighborhood, right? We had, everybody owned their house. We had a beautiful park. I mean, it was nice 20 years ago. Now, at that same park up the road from where I live, there was an armed robbery police chase him, he shoots himself, rolls the truck, dies. In our neighborhood, where my grandkids play. Now they don't play in the street. We don't say, hey, watch out. But you guys understand that. And, it's, and, it's, and, and I tell you this story because it's, it's just as dark all around. And you say, yay, for Lubbock, Texas, we're getting just as dark. We're good. There's crime. You guys know, am I, am I preaching? You guys know this because there used to be a time we didn't read anything about, about killings in Lubbock. It was very rare. Now it's all the time. And I'll tell you what's an increase, and this is going to be just a sidestep of what I'm preaching about. There's a lot of accidents in Lubbock. Do you know that? A lot of crashes. Why? Get off your phone. Get off your phone. The other day I was driving like this, and this black car was roll, kind of rolling into me a little bit. I was like, hey! And as I got closer to her, there was a girl like this. 
And you guys know this, and I do this for your own reason. Be careful because you don't even know how you got one block forward while, while you were texting. And that's why a lot of people are getting in crashes. We're, we're distracted. We're distracted. That's been a public service announcement. You can write that down. Just want you to know I love you. I don't want to drive up to a crash because drive defensively too. Put your phone away. Drive defense. Watch out for other people because they're not watching for you. So Paul tells us in our text today, guys, walk as children of light. Biblically, however, the phrase that he's using has the idea, you ready, of relinquishing sin by following Jesus. And this, my friends, puts a monkey wrench in all those that go, hey, I can, I'm a Christian and can still do what I want. No, 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 no. See, walking in light means I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to try to sin. I'm going to try to stay away as far as sin. A lot of times there's so many people dancing with sin. Let's say sin is, is this part of the stage and, and you're right here. And a lot of people will try to tightrope. Well, I'm not sinning. I'm not sinning. I'm not sinning. Lord, Lord, I'm not sinning. Oh, sorry, God. We need to stay far away from this. Oh, no, 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 that's sin. I, I, I'm walking as, as, as children of the light. The light. Walking in the light is directly related to following Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Here's the exhortation. Turn off the dark and begin walking. What does walking mean? You ready? Jot this down. The term walking here is behavior, but it's also related to growth. To growth. It's taking steps toward maturity. Maturity. Do you remember our eagle illustration? The eagle mom makes a beautiful nest, but underneath all of those comfy mattresses, all the comforters, there's there's a oh 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 there's some bones and 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 and, and there's some sharp rocks and and so mom goes okay you're starting to grow oh oh how nice you're starting to grow and so what she starts to do is she takes out the mat can you imagine imagine going to home and, and your mom take out your mattress where's my mattress well it's time for you to grow up you get to sleep on the ground how many of you would sleep on the ground with mattresses, with, with rock and bone and fragments? Or would you say, oh, it's time for me to, get, <laughs> it's time for me to move out. I've I got to go. I'm going to get my own place. Well, in a way, this is what he's saying. He's saying there should be steps to maturity. When we grow up, steps to maturity take time. And it takes discipline, church. It takes discipline. In the word of God, in prayer, all of these things. All of these things. And my job, do you guys remember what my job is? My job is to comfort the afflicted. So if you're here today, lots of comfort. But also to afflict the comfortable. So if you're sitting here comfortable in your walk going, this is good. This, hey, start the little pokey pokey there. Oh, wait, oh, it's time to grow up. No, wait a minute. So, oh, 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 why'd you poke me there? Well, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. The problem is, guys, is that 
is that when we feel convicted, we go, meh, not going to go back. I don't like that church. The pastor talks too much truth. I want to go where they, where they think I'm awesome. I want to go where they think I'm awesome. And, I have, and I'm a champion. That's where I want to go. I don't ever want to feel convicted. I want the conviction of God's Holy Spirit because I want to grow and be more like him. I want that. We should walk as children of the light. Turn off the dark. In the Bible, uh, light can be a metaphor for this, life. Light can be a metaphor for happiness. Life can be a metaphor for righteousness and understanding. So we should be walking in these things. We should be walking in what? In, in life. We should be walking in happiness, guys. We should be walking in righteousness, doing what's right. We should be walking in understanding. Take a moment and look at your life for just a second. Look at your life a year ago. Sometimes in our lives, we go, that time in my life was really, really hard. But you know what? It's not so hard anymore. It's good. It's good. Things always change when you walk with God, but they always change for the better. Always change for the better. When we turn off the dark, church, we illuminate and shine bright for the Lord. So what does Paul do? Paul says, listen, I need to give you some steps. Here's some steps in walking in the light. Verse 9. He says, for the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Here's step number one. Step number one is being filled with the Spirit. You go, listen, I want to walk in the light. What do I do? Be filled with God's Spirit. And you go, how? Ask him. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Now, here's the one thing we do when we do baptism. When we do baptism, we always ask that you would be filled with God's Spirit just as well. We understand that baptism is an outward sign of an inward change, but we always ask, fill them with your spirit, because that's the first thing. The second thing, step number two, is goodness. Goodness. He says the fruit of the spirit is all goodness. Step number three is walking in the light is righteousness, doing what's right. (coughs) Doing what's right. Step number four is what? Is truth is truth. And step number five, Paul tells us, is do what's acceptable to the Lord. Acceptable to the Lord. Lord, what's, what, what is, what's, is, this, is this pleasing to you? Is this acceptable to you? The other night we were talking, I was talking to Abel and Jeremiah, and we were talking about, you guys remember the WWJD bracelets that came out a while back? Everybody had one. WWJD, what did it mean? What would Jesus do, Right? And so we had them to remind us that in any situation, we would do what Jesus did. The problem is we never did what Jesus did. Because we can wear something on the outer part, but what God wants to do is affect our heart. And so what we should do is have our heart going, what would Jesus do? That's what I want to do. Because that, that is the imperative, is it not? Imitate God and walk in love? Okay, so, so what would Jesus do? Ask yourself that. And next time you get it, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus react? Would he be uplifting? Would he be encouraging? 
And then Paul comes and he gives us another imperative. Verse 11, he says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Okay, so you got you to gotta, you gotta get this, okay? What is he saying? He says, Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now, I went back and I started thinking, what is he saying? Have no fellowship. Have no fellowship. What, what does the word fellowship mean? And it actually means denoting union, companionship, company with, resemble, or partake. So I was like, wow. Paul is saying, don't look like the darkness. Don't, don't fellowship with these deeds. Don't be like, there's no difference in your life. Keep company with? Oh, but he gives me a great imperative. What does he say? He says, expose them. Expose them. No, no, hold on, hold on. What happens when you turn on the light? It exposes the darkness, doesn't it? Immediately. But it also exposes every creepy thing that likes to hang out in the dark. You know that. The darkness of deeds be the light of Jesus. Now, what we don't need to do, you ready? Is don't go around being a secret sin sniffer. Do you know what a secret sin sniffer is? Is you look at somebody's life going, yep, yep, you're, you're sinning here, here. That's not what God has called us to do. Listen to me. You know the world is going to sin. You know the world's going to sin. You know that, that, again, I mean, think about this. If you were to go into a very dark alley, very dark, no lights whatsoever, and you turn on the light, you somehow get these illuminating lights, what are you going to find there? A lot of creepy things, aren't you? Bugs, rats, whatever likes to live out in the dark, they're going to be there. It's the same thing in the world. It's the same thing. And people go, oh, I just, I don't, no, 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 no. Here, here, here's what we do. We don't seek, here's what you do. Just walk as children of the light. Just walk as children of light. Once you come in, the illuminating of who you are in Christ is going to expose all of, and, and, and listen to me, do not freak out. I'm talking to these college kids right here. Don't freak out when you illuminate Jesus and you lose friends. You're not trying to lose friends. You're not going, look at me, I'm super Christian now. You're just being who you are, and that goes for all of us. You're being who you are, and it exposes the darkness. And the dark doesn't want to be around the light. So they go, hey, man, hey, you want to hang out? You want to, you want to go shoot some hoops? Nah, dude. Nah, because and you start talking to me about all that Jesus stuff, man, and yeah, but I care about you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, bro. No, and 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 it's ex- it's exposing them. That's that's what we're called to do. We're just called to walk in the light. We don't need to point out people's sin. All we need to do is is, is let Jesus just illuminate in us, in a real and authentic way, in a real authentic way. Look at verse twelve. Paul writes, for it is shameful to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed and made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. What's he saying? It's super shameful to even talk about the things ungodly people do in secret. It's like, do you realize what they're doing? One commentator said this. He said this. He wrote illicit behavior 
should not be the topic of conversation, end quote. Illicit behavior should not be the topic. Oh, what are you, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Really? Oh, man, I'm living vicariously through you, bro. And you're over here doing all this stuff. Yeah, I wish I could do, but I'm a Christian. I, I just, tell me more. What was that like? Yeah, really? Wow. No. No, you go, no, 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 no. No, listen, it's, I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. Listen to me. Social media has its place. I think it can be a good thing. We can get the gospel out. We can, we can share recipes and ideas. But it also can be a very evil thing. It can be a very evil thing. And we have to be aware of it because if you understand social media, it came in very quietly. You see, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we, we, th- this wasn't a struggle for us. Okay, there was, no such as, there was no such thing as Facebook. There was no such thing. I mean, you, you, if you, you have to buy a recipe book. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's a book with recipes in it. And you had nothing to compare it to. So you nailed it every time. Boom, Pinterest, nailed it. But now you have somebody going, this is how I made it. And they're like Betty Crocker or something. I mean, it's like all nice. And you're like, I don't know where I'm going with that. Here's a point. Be careful with social media because basically garbage in, garbage out. And Paul is exhorting us guys to, um, to guard what goes in our eyes, guard what goes in our ears, because that's usually what comes out. So, so not only am I guarding what's coming in, but I want to fill myself with good stuff. I want to fill myself with, with, with good stuff. Notice what he says too, verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. When you think about light, when you think about waking up to a new day, and Paul presents a picture here that's most likely paraphrasing what we read in Isaiah 60, verse 1. This, wake up. He says, now, don't walk in your sleep. Don't walk in your sleep. Man, that's a bummer. Have you ever walked in your sleep? Ooh, one time I did. One time I did. I'll never forget it. Man. Our second child was just born. I had like maybe three hours of sleep. And uh, the next thing you know, I was looking for my older daughter's dad. You go, that's you. I know! <laughs> and so I'm, <laughs> I'm half asleep walking going, where's the, where's the Hita's daddy? Where's the Hita's daddy? Where's... And, and, I'm, and, and I'm Natalie left till this day about that. Paul says, don't walk in your sleep. Don't walk in your sleep. He says, wake up. Wake up. Open your eyes. Make the most of today. That's what he's saying. Make the most of today. Now, think about what he's saying here, guys. Look at the text. Both sleep and death are in darkness. Awake means to arise and turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. In other words, picture this in your mind. You're up out of bed. You turn on the light. There's the light. The darkness is gone. You can see where you're going. You can see. See, did I wake you up? Yeah. 
Some of you are asleep now. I've got to get on to that. Since you and I are exhorted and admonished to walk in the light of Jesus, Paul continues, he says, not only, but you see, light and wisdom go hand in hand. Light and wisdom. How so? Notice what he says. Look, he says, he says you can walk in wisdom by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord is. You go, what did he say? Guys, look at your Bible. Circumspect comes from two Latin words, which means looking around. Looking around. The Greek here carries the idea of Precision and accuracy. Precision and accuracy. Seeing that you walk carefully with exactness is the meaning. This is what he's saying. See that you walk with meaning and purpose. We'll go, well, Ben, what would be the opposite? Well, the opposite would be walking carelessly and without proper guidance or forethought. Two different walks. One, very purposed. This is where I'm going. I know who I am in Christ. I understand chapters one, two, three. Here I go. The other is kind of, right? Just, just not paying attention. Not paying attention. Now, here's, here's the admonition. You ready? We cannot leave the Christian life to chance. You can't. We must make wise decision and seek to do the will of God. We cannot leave the Christian life to chance. And it reminds me of a story. It's an episode of the Andy Griffith Show. Now, some of you know who that is. Some of you are like, I have no clue who that is. These guys are looking at me like, I have no clue who that is. Andy Griffith. Andy, the sheriff, confronts a hobo that seems to have a big influence on Opie. As the hobo is played by Buddy Epstein... And Sheriff Taylor are talking about the subject of letting Opie deciding what's best for himself. Here's how the dialogue goes. The hobo. Well, who's to say the boy wouldn't be happier your way or mine? Why not let him decide? Now, you know, Opie's like, what, six years old at the time. And he thinks the hobo is this greatest thing on earth. And Andy goes to confront him. And he says this, I'm afraid, you know, Andy Taylor, I'm afraid that won't. Uh, it don't work that way. You cannot let a youngin decide for himself. He'll grab at the first shiny thing with ribbons on it. Then he finds out that there's a hook and it's too late. Wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince him that other things would be better in the long run. All the parent can do is say, wait, trust me, and try to keep temptation away. Unquote. Think about it like this. For you and I to walk in the light, for you and I to walk in wisdom with purpose, with meaning, means we have to trust the Lord when he says, wait. When he says, walk with purpose and accuracy. Wait, walk carefully. It's okay. Not for you and I as Christians to grasp at every shiny thing that comes and every shiny thing that the world has to offer. 
and even so much more. Listen to me. In these next coming days and weeks and months and years, be careful, church, not to grasp at the shiny doctrine that other churches are going to shine. And, 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 and oh, look. Look, it's, it's so much better. Stick to the word of God. Stay in the word of God. That's your safest place. That's your safest place. Do we need to have all of all the fanfare and all the lights and the techno stuff? And do we need to have all of this? Man, stick to the word of God. Stick to what feeds your soul. Don't deviate. Walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. Paul says to you, and I see that we walk carefully and exactness. Why? Jot this down. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, why should we do that? Because life is short. Life is short. And it doesn't matter if you're here and you're 75 years old or 80 years old or, or you're here and you're 18 years old. Life is short. When my, when my, my baby, when my baby, you, you don't understand, my, 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 I, I had Talia, and then we had Miranda, and Miranda came out, and she was allergic to everything, and she cried, and it was a rough, rough time. I'll never forget it. And she was allergic, and she didn't feel good, and it, man, mom was up 24-7, I kid you not. And I used to think, man, I can't wait till she's six months or she gets a little older and she could tell us what's wrong. We could try to fix this. But right now we're just like, oh. And we blinked. And she's 33. Remember when people used to tell you, hey, kids grow up just like, nah, they will, bam. Life is short. Life is short. That's why you need to walk with exactness. That's why you need to walk circumspectly. That's why you need to walk. Not, not, not just... Number two, number two. Jot this down. The days are evil. The days are evil. We're living in the last days, and there used to be a time when evil hid behind things and sort of, sort of peeked its head out every now and then. Now it's like, what? There, it's evil out there. It's evil. And church, listen to me. It's going to go against everything that you believe here. It's going to go against what you believe. It's evil. That's what evil does. And so we have to walk with purpose. We have to turn off the dark. There, there's no playing with God. We're going to play games. We're going to play games. Yeah, let's, let's play God. I think I'm okay. You know? Here's the thing. Too many people are playing hide and seek, and the Lord's about to say, ready or not, here I come. But I don't know about you, but the best time we had playing hide and seek was in the dark. It was easier to hide. Come on, somebody. That's good. Come on. Did you, did you get it? Thank you, Joe. Number three, why do we walk carefully? Because God has given us a mind. He says, therefore, understand what the will of the Lord is. He's given you a mind. He says, you guys are smart. You are smart. You know. Oh, 
I don't know. I just, I'm just walking my way. No, no, no. He goes, you're smart. You're smarter than that. God's spirit is in you and he's guiding you and you need to walk. You need to walk with carefully and with exactness. Exactness. It goes on in our text, verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know what that word drunk means? Intoxicated. Intoxicated. Paul says, don't, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. What does dissipation mean? It means excess, worthless, ruinous, reckless. He says, don't. Don't get drunk. Here's the command. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And Paul expects us to obey. You see, the command here is plural, and it applies that Christians, and not not just to a select few. See, the verb is the present tense. In other words, he's saying, keep being filled. Keep being filled. Keep being filled. Every day. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I don't know what you have for me today. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Why would he say... Why would, he tell, why would he tell the Ephesians not to be drunk with wine? Because it was a dark place, remember? It was a dark place. And here's the problem with intoxicating drink. A lot of people drink that to escape the darkness. I just need to escape. My life's dark. Come to the Lord because that's who gives you life. That's, who, that's where the light is. Don't, 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 don't go in excess, man. Don't go in excess. You check out completely. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Doesn't this tie in beautifully to Ephesians where he's talking about being to to strengthen the inner man? When you pray, pray knowing how much God loves you. When you pray, understand who Jesus is. All of this stuff, but you're strengthened. And I want you to note our lives in verse 19. He He says, be filled with the Spirit. How so? Notice. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Notice the things he says. Guys, Paul calls on you and I to honor Christ. How? By honoring and loving and helping and encouraging each other. I think from now on we need to we need to we need to speak to another in psalms and in hymns. We just do that. Spiritual songs. We do it anyway, don't we? Hey, 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 listen to the song. This song is so good. Bless the Lord, oh my and you're just singing. I mean, guys, this is but it's in your heart. Singing and making melody in your heart. That's what children of the light do. Listen, listen, I had a I had a couple many years ago, they bought a house and they swore it was haunted. They swore. It wasn't you, don't look at me, Tiffany. It was earlier. <laughs> Pastor, what do I do? There's things falling off, da 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 da. Okay. I said, uh, put your radio real loud and play worship music in the house because demons can't tolerate that. Boom. Why? Because again, think about this. They just they don't want to be around. That's exposing the light. That's exposing the darkness. Whoa. And again, here's what he's saying. He's saying, making melody in your heart to the Lord. What should we do? 
in all things. Everybody say all things. things. Say it again. One more time. Giving thanks to the Lord. Even when life seems to get hard, oh Lord, that we would be people that give you thanks in all things to God the Father. God the Father. And what should we do? We should submit to one another in the fear of God. What does Paul do? Paul gives us three things he lives us with. Number one, he says, be joyful. Be joyful. There's, there's something inside your heart called joy that's far different than being happy. You can't be happy all the time. I'm just happy all the time. People are going to think you're crazy, but there's joy even in the midst of dark circumstances. There's joy. Lord, this is really hard, but I trust you. I trust you. God, there's joy. Number two, he says, be thankful. Be thankful. Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the shower we had this morning. I'm thankful that there was running water. I'm thank you for light. We can see. I'm thank you that it's going to be 91 degrees today and sunny and warm. Amen. Because Friday was winter. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. You don't have to raise your hand. But if you were to do a spiritual inventory of your life, do you complain more or are you more thankful? I'll wait. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I tend to complain more. Oh, I can't believe this. Some of you are going to complain that it's 91 today. That's too hot. God, God, it's too hot. Let's get that let's get the light in us where we're thankful. We're just thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Every day is a gift. Right? How about we look at it like this? Every day is a holiday and every meal's a banquet. We're thankful. You got to eat today? Praise God. Hey, when we go to pray for our food, we pray that God would bless it. Let's make sure we're just not getting in the routine of just blessing it. Lord, bless this food and nourish everybody. Let's eat. Go, wow, Lord, you provided for this. You provided. And then number three, he says, be submissive. Be submissive. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. As we have reverence and awe and fear of the Lord, that's how we submit to one another. We submit to one another. So as we close our study this morning, church, listen, let's, let's remember, turn off the dark. This means we're called to turn off the dark, how? By imitating the Lord and allowing the light of Jesus to shine in us and through us. And we're called to walk in the light. We're called to walk in wisdom. We're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we're called to submit to one another in love. That's what the Lord is saying. Amen. Amen. Father, tonight, this morning, we thank you for your word, Lord, and the truth in your word. Lord, help us to um, actively turn off the dark. Lord, in order to do this, we must be filled with you. Father, there might be somebody here this morning that as I was teaching and your word was going forth and your spirit was moving, there might be somebody here this morning that says, Pastor Ben, um, 
you were saying some things and it made me realize I don't have the Lord Jesus like that. He's not the light of my life. As a matter of fact, I, if I'm being honest with you this morning, Pastor, I'm still in darkness. But the power of the Holy Spirit is knocking on my heart to repent from those things that I've done and, and to come and, and be right with you. Pastor Ben, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. Listen, you may feel like that, but you're one decision from coming back to him. I love that the fact that my Jesus stands with his arms open wide and saying, please, please come. Please come. Please come. But you've got to make that decision. No one's going to force you. And I love the fact that you're not here by happenstance. You're not here by chance. You weren't sitting there going saying, hey, well, I have nothing else better to do on Sunday morning. I'm going to come to church. The Lord Jesus is knocking on your heart and he's saying, hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for your life. You're not just some random choice. You have a plan and a purpose, but until you let me in, I'm not in it. Until you open the door of your heart, I'm not going to invade your space. You have to invite me in. How, Pastor? How do I do that? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to join the family of God by simply raising your hand. Well, why do I have to raise my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. If you're serious about this walk with Jesus, to be the light of the world, to illuminate Jesus in a very dark place, then you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to say yes to him. Well, why again do I have to raise my hand? Because I'll see you. No one else will see you. I'll see you. You just raise your hand and say, listen, Lord, um, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. And, and I want that to, to I, I want to put that to bed so that I'm never worried about going to heaven. But I also need you to walk in, and live in my life. I need that. I need the Holy Spirit. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anybody here that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus. I'm, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to, once and for all, surrender my heart to him. I want, I want to come back into the family of God. It's just an invitation. You just have to lift up your hand, and I'll pray for you. Nobody else will see you. God will see you. Would you do that for me right now? If God's knocking on your heart, if he's knocking on your heart, then just, just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me, and I'll see. Lift it up high so I can see. Is there anyone here? This decision is between you and God. If you're here this morning and you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, but you haven't really been illuminating the light too much and you need the Holy Spirit, can I pray for you too? If there's anyone here that says, I, I need the Holy Spirit, I need to keep being filled, would you lift up your hand? Would you say, Pastor, pray for me? If you need to be filled with God's Spirit, would you just lift up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. 
God bless you. Anyone else? Just, yes, yes, amen, amen, amen. Amen, a lot of us need God's spirit. We just need to be filled with God's spirit. Father, would you just pray this? Lord, I need to be filled with you. Come in and illuminate those dark things in my heart, God. Show them to me, God. Protect me from the blind side where I can't see these things. Open up my heart. Father, I don't, I don't want to be a secret sin sniffer. I just want to illuminate you wherever I go. Sincerely, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Come into my heart, God, and just illuminate who you are. My life is yours. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.